All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we've primarily, we were looking at the woman at the well, but now the last part of John chapter 4, he's going to be in Cana of Galilee. We're going to look at an interaction he had there with a royal official. If you're using a new King James, it'll say nobleman, but it's a royal official from King Herod's court. And what we're doing with our study is, is that we are looking at understanding who Jesus is. And I think today we're going to see another glimpse of that. See, this is what John is doing with this letter. He's, he's wanting his reader to understand the reality of Jesus. And he's also wanting you to understand that not everybody accepts that. Not everybody wants that for their life. Not everybody is interested. And so he wants you to learn some things. And so today we're going to look at a second miracle. Now, I just want to just point out to you, when I say a second miracle, I need to point out we've already seen allusions through the gospel that Jesus is healing lots of people. But this is the second miracle that John is going to specifically mention. Okay, So Jesus is doing lots of great things. But he wants to focus in on this miracle like he focused on, on the first miracle that happened at Cana with making the water into wine. He's going to focus on a, a healing today. And there's some powerful lessons here for you and I. Powerful lessons that you and I can have for our life and especially for your faith. Because that's really what this passage is about. Faith. What you believe, who you trust. Okay, so we're going to look at this passage together. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to focus in on verses 43 through 54. Now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman, whose son was sick in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. And again, this again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea 
into Galilee. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at a couple of things here. We're going to see, first of all, that John's going to address the issue of motives. We'll spend some time talking about that for a moment. Motives. You and I have motives. We have motives why you came to church today. We have motives about what we expect from God. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to see the request for help. We're going to see a guy. He's a royal official. He's got a request from God for God to do, for take care of. We're going to learn some things there. So let's, let's take a look at it. Let's talk about motives first. It's very interesting. We're going to talk about faith. So let me explain to you what faith is and what faith is not. Okay? Because a lot of times... We get it confused, and it's especially easy in our type of churches to confuse it, because what we'll say is you just need to believe and come to Jesus and you'll be saved. And that is a correct statement, but there's a little bit more to that statement than what you realize, because you and I will meet lots of people who will say that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you met people who say that? But if you talk to them, you realize real quickly that they don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with him. See, you can believe something, a creedal statement, and say, yes, I believe that, but not know Jesus, not be a believer. How do I know that? Well, Jesus even says that in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. He'll say, in that day many will come to me and say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these great things in your name? Did we not cast out demons and do this and that and another? And Jesus will say to him, depart from me. I never knew you. These people thought they knew Jesus. So what I want to express to you is that belief in Christ is something a little bit more. Faith is a little bit more than just simply believing. Faith goes one step beyond belief to trusting committing yourself to. You know, I've used this illustration before. So here in a few months, I'm going to have to go see a doctor about one of my things that the doctor is seeing me about. So when I go into the office, you know what it's like going to a doctor's office. You've got an appointment. You go in. You wait. A lot of times when they bring you in, they weigh you and, uh, you know, they take their blood pressure. And, and they're like, he'll be in. He'll be in. Or somebody will be in. Somebody will be in. So you're sitting there and you're looking around and they got charts on the wall. I think they're for our benefit because I've never seen any of them look at them. So, I mean, they've got these charts on the wall of what your human body is made up of and kind of reminds you of biology class in high school. And, and, and they got charts. And, and then, but a lot of times what you'll see is sometimes a diploma or a certification and you can look at that and you could say, he's a doctor. He's got the credentials, right? Then they'll come in and I'll believe he's a doctor, right? But then he'll say, okay, George, he's been saying this. You got to do something about that weight, buddy. Now, the question is, I believe he's a doctor. Do I trust what he's telling me? Do I have faith in him? You and I go through the same thing, right? You've gone to the doctor. Same thing. Let's forget doctor. If you go to a mechanic, you can look on the wall and you'll see his certificates of the mechanic of where he graduated from or whatever, right? And then when he tells you this is the diagnosis for your vehicle, 
You can believe that he knows how to turn that wrench, right? But you got to believe that you trust him, right? You got to have faith in him to take care of your what? Car. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is the difference between simple belief and faith. You and I have to have a belief that trusts in Jesus, that believes him no matter what the circumstances are. It, it would be illustrated like, okay, remember? Of course, you know the Sunday school story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the book of Daniel. And Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, bow down or I'm going to throw you in the fire. And they said, if your God can deliver you, Nebuchadnezzar says. And, and, and the boys say, you know what? The guys say, you know, our God can deliver us. But if not, we're still not going to bow down. That but if not is an expression of faith. We believe, but we're not going to do that. We have faith in our God. And if he doesn't deliver us, that's fine. That's faith. Now, why am I bringing this all up? Why am I spending a little bit of time here? You and I have to understand that when we come to Jesus, the issue is, do you trust him with your issue? Do you trust him? Because what we want from him is answers, right? I got 10 things right now I want God to do. But do I trust him with those things no matter what the outcome is? Do you understand? Do I trust him? And this is what this story is going to get to us. So let's look at the motives here. First of all, here's what happens. So after two days, now where was he for two days? He was in Samaria, okay? He was among the Samaritans. Two days he goes into Galilee. He's among the Jews again. So after two days he departed from there, that's Samaria, and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when they came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they had gone to the feast. Now, here's three things I want you to see about motives. First of all, Jesus knew the reception he would receive. Jesus knew the reception he would receive. So when he leaves Samaria, where they're all excited about him, they want him to stay, he stays with them. I'm sure he did healings while he was there with them. He goes into Galilee now among his own. What do you mean among his own? Among the Jews. And he knew what kind of reception he would receive. So he makes that statement, you know, that a prophet has no honor in his own country. He's not going to be respected there. That's a significant thing. When you talk about the whole issue of trusting in God, you got to check your motives because it's very possible that what your motives are are more self-interest than they are about what God wants for your life. And so that's why it's easy to get frustrated and walk away from God because he didn't give you what you wanted. Because the issue of honoring him is committing yourself to him no matter what the outcome is. You believe who he is, and you're going to trust him. But he already knows that when he goes back, he's not going to receive that honor. Why? Because they're asking things, well, if you say you who you are, show us a sign. We've already seen that when he was in Judea, at Jerusalem, at the temple. Who gave you this authority? Show us a sign. 
Folks, he was doing signs. What more did they need to see? It's that they didn't want to believe. They only wanted what they wanted from him. So Jesus knew the reception he would receive. Here's the other thing. God's messenger is not honored or accepted by his own people. God's messenger, here, Jesus, is not accepted by his own people. In fact, that's the point that he wants you to understand. Remember I told you that we're supposed to get to know Jesus here? We have this concept that if everybody comes to Jesus, they're just going to love him and accept him. No, that's not true. It's already told. From the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 11, it says this. It'll be up on the screen for you. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus came to his own. He was their Messiah. And they didn't receive him. They didn't want him. Because they wanted what they wanted. And that's really the issue, isn't it? So when you talk about God's messenger, he's not honored or accepted by his own people. Because if he doesn't give me what I want, then I'll leave. And folks, in pastoring all these years, I've seen people come, they come, and they're looking for something from God, and when he doesn't give it to them, they disappear. They tried that. And then they were gone. Been there, done that, didn't work, we're gone. And the reason why is because they didn't really understand Jesus. Let me give you, help you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so I am a parent. I am a dad, okay? So I have four kids. And I love my four kids. And, and I'm also, one of the things about George is I'm a giver, okay? I like to solve problems in their lives by doing it for them. That's not necessarily the best thing, okay? Some of you are like, yeah, I know, okay. But that's who I am. I'm a giver, okay? So when I hear a crisis in their life, I'm already coming up with 50 ways to handle it. But they don't need me to tell them 50 ways. They're adults now. They're just wanting somebody to talk to about it, okay? So why am I bringing this up? Okay. Sometimes, though, the best answer from me is to not do anything. But in those situations, they oftentimes want me to do something. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? But the best answer is... They're not going to learn unless you let them fail. Unless you let them go through this alone. You, some of your parents are like, yeah, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. do you, you, you understand? See, God is the same way. We want him to answer, give us that, give us that, Lord. Give it to us. I need that. I need that answer. But he knows what's best for you. So he does it. Now, do my kids, like, why didn't do it? Yeah, they maybe get irritated with me. Me and Lori, yeah, they get, you know, but that's normal. Your kids get irritated with you too, right? They'll get over it. They know you love them. The same thing with the Lord. He loves us. He loves us. So 
the reality is, is here's the thing. What's going on here? When you look at verse 45, this is where people were at. This is where their motives. They were attracted to Jesus because of what he could do. That's the whole purpose. Their whole thought of coming to Jesus was because of what he could do. When you look at verse 45, it says this. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem. They accepted him because, wow, we heard what you did. Come on in. You know, uh, let me just stop for a moment. Here's a good point you need to understand. When we share Jesus with others, please don't tell them that everything's going to be okay. You come to Jesus, everything will be great. We know that's not true, right? Coming to Jesus is not going to eliminate you from the problems of life. You live in a, you live in a corrupt world where bad things happen. Coming to Jesus does not eliminate the problems. Coming to Jesus gives you hope in the midst of the problems. Gives you somebody who's a sure anchor in the midst of the difficulties. That's coming to Jesus. But so many people come to Jesus because they are expecting him to answer. And some of that, can I be honest with you, is our church culture communicates that. If you read TV, you know, if you do this, God will bless you 100 times or 50 times or whatever. And we get subtly believing that, that that's the way it's going to be. I'm always going to be healthy and God's going to make me wealthy. Well, we know that's not true. Just look around here, right? See, they came to Jesus for stuff. Now, that's the, that's the atmosphere Jesus operated in then. I would say to you, Jesus is operating in that atmosphere today as well. Right? That's where people are at. So I want you to notice now that there's this guy who's got a really big problem. He's got a son who he loves who's dying. And he knows that the only one who can heal his son is Jesus. And so he goes to Jesus with a request for help. And here's where we see what faith is. Okay? Here's where we see what faith is. Now, you're going to be surprised by Jesus. But here's where we see where faith is. Okay, so let's look at this right now together. Look again, verse 46 through 54. Look at what he says. So Jesus came to Canaan in Galilee where he made the water wine and there a certain nobleman, a royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. All right, let's stop there. Here's what I want you to know. The first thing, when he heard Jesus was there, he went and requested healing. He went and requested healing. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I wrote this line, I wrote this line so it would fit on the screen. I wrote this line so it would fit in your, so you could fill it out in the back of that paper. But I'm going to explain it to you. Let me, let me tell you what I wanted to say. When he heard Jesus was there, he went and begged and pleaded 
with Jesus for healing. That's what that word implore means. He just didn't go and say, hey, hey, Jesus, could you heal my son? No, that, that's not what that word means. That word implore means he's like, Jesus, I need you to heal my son. Listen to me. Do we understand that? So first of all, whatever it is you're going through, it's okay to go to him and talk to him like that. He's used to it. One of the most common phrases throughout the Old Testament is that they cried out to God. Cry out to him. God, I need you to answer this. God, I need you to heal my son. God, I need you to, to save my loved one. God, I need you to take care of this problem, this situation. God, I need you. See, that's what this guy's doing, right? You think it meant something to him when he asked Jesus to do this? You better believe it, right? First thing you notice there. Now, here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is verse 48. It's how Jesus answered him. This is, this is like, if you've got this concept of Jesus being loving, and, and lo this is like, oh my goodness, what is Jesus saying? Look at verse 48. Look at what he says here. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. That was rather cold. Isn't that what it seems like when you read that? I mean, the guy's there imploring him, Jesus, heal my son. Jesus says, you know, unless you guys see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. That blows your mind. That's what the text says. But Jesus is doing something here. Jesus is addressing the whole issue of motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Here's my point I want you to see here. In spite of Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus, wait a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus pointed out the shallowness of asking for a great sign without belief. That's what he's doing here. He's testing this royal official. He's saying to him, unless you guys see some kind of great sign, then you'll believe in me. He's, he's asking this guy, do you really believe me? That's the point here. Do you really believe that I can do this? Do you trust me? Or is this just something for you to see so that you can believe me then, like the rest of these people? That's the point he's making here. Sounds like he's callous, but he's testing us. In fact, can I be honest with you? Have you noticed something? I've been a believer now since 1985. Have you noticed that every time you go to prayer and ask him to do something, he doesn't answer it immediately? Now, sometimes he does, but a lot of times he doesn't. Have you noticed that? Am I the only one, maybe, maybe I have a deficient prayer life. Am I the only one who goes to God and says, God, I need you to do this? And he's like, okay, sure, I'll take care of that right now. No, he doesn't. Some, sometimes I have to go to him for months. There are some requests that have been for years. Have you noticed that Jesus is kind of saying the same thing 
to us, like he said to this guy, by not answering us immediately, he's asking you, are you just looking for a great sign or do you believe me? Do you trust me? Do you have faith? That's really what the issue is here, right? Are you just looking for me to, to give you a great sign? Or do you trust me with this issue? Do you trust me to handle it in my time? Do you trust me? Do you have faith in me to deal with this as I see fit? That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Because, but you know what? If you're like me, after the third time, you kind of give up. You quit asking. But I'm going to tell you something. I want you to notice with me, even though Jesus said that, look at what verse 49 says. Verse 49 says, The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. It has an explanation point there. First of all, in the Greek, it didn't have an explanation point, but the emphasis is, Come down! What's going on here? Here's what I want you to see. And this is an emphasis we see throughout the Gospels and Jesus' teaching as well as in the rest of the New Testament. In spite of Jesus' inaction, he persisted in asking God to come and heal. He kept asking. Why? Because he believed. He knew that the only one who could take care of his son was Jesus. So even though Jesus is saying that to test him, he's like, I need you to come. So let me ask you something. So God's not answering your prayer. Did you give up? Did you give up? Were you so disappointed you gave up? Don't. Don't. Keep going to him. Start going back to him. Bring it to him. And trust him with that issue. Don't give up. That's, that's the point here. Let, let, let's go on. Look with me at verse 50 now. So guess what Jesus does? Look at verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Wow. Really? I mean, this guy came from Capernaum, so he walked the distance, probably a day's journey, to get to Cana. Cana is... They don't even know where Cana is in Galilee. Do you understand? They have some assumptions of where it is. It was kind of like a small little, well, you know, like it's like here in the Kerwinsville area. If you drive down towards Madeira and you come toward, you know, you, you come to Boardman and Kellytown, you kind of know how small those places are, right? Uh, if you drive, well, you wouldn't drive with your eyes closed there because it's a sharp turn. You'd end up in somebody's house, you know, but... But if you were closing your eyes, you'd just kind of blink right through it, right? You know, and, but that, that's kind of like what Cana is. But this guy's a royal official who's in the major city, Capernaum. And, and he's like, that's it? I mean, I came here. I want, he's wanting Jesus to come with him because in his mind, Jesus has got to be there to what? 
do the healing. And we would think the same thing too. But Jesus says, go your way. Your son's healed. That's all he said. That's how God is. Listen to me. Here's the point I want you to see. Jesus called him to act. And he did. Jesus does this many times in the Gospels. Remember the ten lepers? The ten lepers who came to him and said, Lord, Lord, would you cleanse us? Would you are you willing to clean us? And Jesus is like, yes, I'm willing. And then he tells them, go show yourself to the priests. Why? Because the Old Testament said, if you were to be declared healed from your leprosy, you had to go to the priest, and the priest would examine you and would declare you uh, healed, and you would make your sacrifice. And so those lepers turned around and went, and as they went, they were healed. Why? Because they acted. He called them to act, and he did it. That's what this guy's doing. He's doing the same thing. He turned around and went home because Jesus said, your son's healed. He acted. That's faith. Trusting in God. So that brings us then to verse 50. Excuse me, 51 through 54. Here it is. Here's where we're going to see the key is. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Let that sink in for a moment. Then he inquired of them, at what hour he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was the same hour which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Here's the key, my friends. The key is this. The key was faith that manifested itself in action. The key was faith that manifested itself in action. All that guy needed to hear was Jesus saying, your son's going to live. You just go on home. And guess what? He went on home. Why? Because he believed Jesus. And at that very instant, probably the moment that guy, whatever, mentally decided, I'm leaving, Jesus healed his son. All right, now listen to me. Some of you have been praying about to God about something for a long, long time. You've been asking God to do something for a long, long time. And as you've been praying and talking to him about whatever it is, listen, he doesn't say to you, okay, I'm going to do this. That doesn't happen. But what he does do is he gives you a peace that suppresses your, all your understanding of what? That guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And some of you, when you have gone to him with that issue, I have gone to him with that issue, God, I need you to take care of this. He's given you this peace. And for the moment, that was okay. You felt heard. But then as time went on, listen to me, as time went on, the, the issue just seems so big. And you're wavering. 
or you wavered. And you don't know anymore if God can handle it. I'm telling you, when he gave you that peace, you needed to just go on and trust him with whatever that issue is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just go on and trust him. And even though it doesn't seem like it's happening the way you want it to happen, folks, it never happens the way I want it to happen. Sometimes, actually, can I be honest with you? It's probably a good thing it doesn't happen the way that I want it to happen. But in God's timing, it's always the best. So it's an issue of trusting in it. That's what faith is. The key was faith that manifests itself in actions. For those of you who've been praying, how, what action is that? You just trust him and you rest in the fact that he heard you. And now you're trusting him, whatever the time frame may be. Well, I've been waiting a long time, George. Yes. But you just keep waiting. You know that your God's going to answer you. That's the issue here. All right, so let's wrap this up. We, we've, been, we've been going through John with the whole purpose of wanting to understand Jesus and know him. And so what can we bring from, what can we get from this story today, George? It's just one sentence. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you believe and trust him with whatever it is that you're going through? Even though it may seem like it's turning upside down and going to get worse, do you trust him? There's another story in the Gospels where there's another dad who needs Jesus to come and heal a child of his. And Jesus gets delayed and, 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 and they come and say, well, your, your daughter is dead. You remember that story? Your daughter is dead. And, and Jesus is like, don't worry. It'll be okay. And the guy says, help my unbelief. For some of us here today, that's probably what we need to pray. God, I want to trust. I want to believe. I am trusting in you. I know you told me. You hear me. But help my unbelief. So this is the point. Trust. Trust him no matter what. Let me pray for you.